Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Limerick and Proud, a podcast series where we chat to some of Limerick's most influential and interesting people who represent the county on a national stage. From their positive experiences of growing up in the Treaty County, to how it has shaped who they are today and why they're proud of the place they call home. I'm your host, Amanda Flannery, and in this week's episode we're chatting to Limerick's King of Comedy, Carl Spain, who spoke to me about what it was like growing up in the Treaty City, the reaction he got from his father when he said he wanted to be a comedian, and why performing to a Limerick crowd is so special. Make sure to subscribe now so you don't miss a thing. Welcome to episode two of Limerick and Proud Live, where we'll be chatting to someone from Limerick and influential every week for the next six weeks. Uh, last week we had Sinead's Curvy Style and this week we are going to be talking to stand-up comedian, actor and writer, it's Limerick's King of Comedy, Carol Spain. So Carol will be joining us very, very soon. We'll be having the chats. So make sure if you um, have any questions for Carol that you make sure to send them in. Hello, Carol. I'm all excited. How are you? I was having some serious technical difficulties there. I was like, oh, why won't it accept Carol Spain? Why can't we go live? Well, here we are. We're here. <laughs> Very exciting. Very live, like live as in it's just after seven. So I couldn't have, I couldn't have said that if we pre-recorded this, could I? No, absolutely not. It's just like being on stage now, Carol. You're live to, to a live audience. <laughs> no pressure. Very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> I've missed that now the last few months is the, the live stay. Well, well, I did a gig last night, so it's not, it's not, it's, it's fresh now, the memories of back on stage. So it's, um, it was long overdue, long overdue. That must have been amazing. What was, what, where was the gig last night? What, what was it like? It was in Kilkenny. It's kind of what they've done for the Cat Laughs this year is a summer series of gigs. So um, it was Deirdre Kane and a couple others last night in Langton's courtyard. So it's outdoors, which is normally where we'd all meet after the gig. So the dressing room was the actual set theater. <laughs> so you're sitting in the theater before the gig and then, uh, you know, and after the gig, but now you're outside. So everything's, it's bizarro reverse world at the moment, you know. Absolutely, upside down, upside down world we're living in at the moment. 
Um, so thanks so much for joining us, Carl, and agreeing to be our guest, our special guest on Limerick and Proud Live. Yes. Um, you're a proud Limerick man. And we're going to get started, and we're going to start at the beginning. And we're going to ask you, where in Limerick did you grow up, and what was it like? It's uh, Lower Park in Corbally. Um, it was it was a love, lovely. Um, we had a, a bit of land out the back, so we had a kind of a, a small soccer pitch. So there was, we, but my father we had gold posts, so we had actual metal gold posts that they bought. So I think I spent most of my childhood out there, um, kicking a ball with my cousins who lived up the road, or my brother and um, or, and some of the neighbours. So it was uh, that's what I remember most about the the childhood would be wearing actual different soccer kit from all over the world. That was what was brought back to me as presents. Like my father went to Birmingham and brought me back a jersey and he went to Florence and brought me back a jersey. So I had football gear from all over the place that I used to wear the whole time. Um, if I wasn't in the school uniform, I was probably dressed for a football match. That might never happen. <laughs> so tell us about school. Tell us about primary and secondary and college and uh, all kind of younger days and and what they were like um it, it was i went to st patrick's national school on the dublin road so there's the boys school and the girls school across the road from each other um my friend it's changed now my friend used to say oh you went to that school because there used to be a big billboard just at the gate so sh she used to describe it as oh you went to the school behind the sign <laughs> because it there'd be a billboard um and we used to kind of swing in underneath it there was little wooden panels um, when you'd come out of school, you'd be waiting to be collected. Um, you'd be under like a, an ad for cornflakes or something like that. So um, I went to St. Patrick's National School and then I went to CBS Sex, Sexton Street. Um, yeah, it was, you know, standard school. I, there's some, some of the lads I went all the way through um, with. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it, it seems so long ago now. <laughs> It's almost frightening, you know, 70s and 80s um, were my school days. And finished in the 90s, you know, just in case you're doing the maths. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that good at maths, Carol, you're okay. <laughs> um, so I suppose tell us then about your career and how, how you became a comedian and what, like the day you decided, okay, I want to make a living out of that. Like, um, how did you start off? Well, the first time I decided... The first person I, I told I wanted to do comedy was actually my then girlfriend. Um, and that was 1991. I think it was around 1991. And we'd been to see Billy Connolly in the Theatre Royal. And it was amazing. I've never laughed so much before or since. And she looked at me like I was an idiot when I said, oh, I'd love to do that. You know, stand-up comedy. And it, but it was like, you know, it's like seeing... It's like seeing the Limerick hurling team on Sunday. Go, do you know I might I might start playing that as in, you know, you've a lot of catching up to do. But um, I didn't. I, I so it was always in the back of my head that I wanted to do that, but I didn't start until two thousand, the year two thousand. So I I tell friends, oh, I want to be a stand up comedian, but I didn't even know how you went about it. Um, there used to be gigs that would start in Limerick. You know, you'd see in the paper, oh, stand up comedy club starting here. And I'd go, I'd go along to that now. And then I'd be afraid and I'd go, I'll go next week. And then I'd find it only lasted a week or a month. Do you know what I mean? So there was, when I got to know the comedians afterwards, they said, oh yeah, the amount of clubs that used to just start and stop in Limerick was unbelievable over the years. Um, so I was in college doing TV production in Dublin and I kind of got 
used to being in front of the camera doing different projects. So it gave me a little bit of confidence. And then a friend, a girl I was living with, her friend came over to do some gigs in Dublin. So I went to see comedy and I thought, oh, this, I could do that. I, I, you know, I'm going to go. Because I never went to comedy. I just had it in my head. I was funny and I must do it. So I, I started doing a couple of gigs and I entered competitions. That's what I thought you had to do. And I won a new comedian competition with RTE in 2000. I'd only done a handful of gigs and that got me on the Late Late Show. So I hadn't even done 10 gigs and I was on the Late Late and that was the most terrified I've ever been in my life. Um, I was on the Late Late and it was, Pat Kenny was, it was my 29th birthday. And now you can do the maths. <laughs> it was my 29th birthday that I was on the Late Late and Pat, there was a very sad story on just before me. And I didn't know what was going on. So they bring me out and put me on the studio floor. And I look into the audience and I could see there was two women bawling their eyes out at what they just heard. And Pat Kenny starts going, and now for some comedy. <laughs> As I look into the live audience and see people crying. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be tough. And the camera's <laughs> right in my face. And I was like, oh, this is the worst birthday I've ever had. <laughs> but so... I got away with it. Got away with it. So tell us, do you remember your, your first Limerick gig, your first local gig? Yeah, that was actually another worry. I used to think um, that a Limerick gig would be tough. And I said that, you know, they're, 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 uh, you know they'll tear me down because I'm one of their own. And I couldn't have been more wrong. It would have been July 2001 in Dolan's. And I was put on for 10 minutes. And the crowd, because they knew I was from Limerick, they were so nice. They loved me. Like it was literally, oh, he's one of us. And it was, and I used to, you know, I was, I loved playing Dolan's all over the years. It was always my favorite place to play. You know, the Limerick crowd would always get behind you. And I, I genuinely thought it'd be the opposite. I thought they'd be going, oh, who's he think he is? You know, but um, <laughs> I couldn't have been more wrong. They were great. Um, so, when when you told your 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 parents and your family and friends that you wanted to become a comedian, what what was the reaction there? First of all, um, some of my friends were going, "Oh yeah, 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 you should do that." Yeah. Um, others were like, "Oh god," you know. Um, when, when I entered that competition, I said to my father because I'd seen in the semi final and in other gigs, you know, I'd seen like there was a few of the others that I was on against. And I said to my father, I think I can win this. You know, I think I have a chance. And he said, don't be thinking like that because you'll only be disappointed when you don't. Not if you don't, but when you don't win. And I was like, what can you, how can you say that to me? Um, so I was, no, I was, uh, most people were encouraged. <laughs> I always give out to my father about that. Um, and it was just, it, it was a start. It, like when I started doing gigs, um, uh, loads of people used to they come to see it. I think it might have been to see me fail or just as much to see me do well. Um, my first joke ever was, I'm from Limerick. Um, I know what you've heard about Limerick. It's just a handful of people. You know, it's, don't, it's just a handful of people. Don't judge us all by the cranberries. And it got a laugh and it completely threw me. And now I'm a Cranberries fan. It was just, you know, misdirection as a joke. But I got, when I got a laugh from the room, I was so taken aback. I really didn't know. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And um, 
there was a, like, so I've done one joke in my whole career at this stage. And uh, a friend was in the audience and she goes, do you have to let it linger? So I, I'd been heckled after only one joke in my career. And my friend, Mary, who was down the back, I could hear her going, because I paused, like I paused after the laugh and didn't know what to say. She's going, oh no, he's forgot everything. He's dying up there. He's just like, oh jeez. So, I, but I, I did well. It was a new act thing. Um, and the audience vote for their favorite. And I won, the first three weeks I was there, I won the audience vote. And then the fourth week I thought, I've got this nailed. And I tried new stuff and I was a mess and completely messed up. And the standard that was so bad, despite me being terrible, the, the host had to do a, we'll pick a top three. Who are your favorite? Like to even try and pick anyone that was any good. And I didn't even make the top three um, of that. So that my fourth week was the, the rude awakening of comedy isn't always easy and you have to, you have to try hard, you know, every time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so while we're on the subject of Limerick and we're on the subject of Limerick people, um, I'm sure you've gotten some of your, your uh, stand-up content over the years from, from Limerick characters. Um, so I suppose, who were the funniest kind of Limerick characters you remember from, from growing up in Limerick, from being around the city streets? Um, well, characters, a lot of the time, you know, funny people are, you know, they might, they might, you might know their first name or something, but different characters, different strangers. You'd hear stories of people, you know, friends of friends would tell, oh, this happened. Um, like, uh, I don't even know the name of the guy, but two Limerick guys <laughs> took a piano out of a pub and were playing it. One of them was playing it on the street and the other one's lying across the top singing. And the police came around the corner and saw it and just went, drove away laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you hear stories like that of characters. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there'd be, you know, the, the funny people like my, my cousin, my first cousin, you know, uh, was quite funny and uh, he'd say things and I'd kind of go, mm, I wonder can I use that? And uh, you'd find a way to get his story or his line into a, into a routine somewhere. Um, but that's part of the skill of what you do is to spot things and then, you know, bring it in somehow or um, manipulate it slightly from the truth. You know, the truth is sometimes funny, but to, to make it stage funny, you sometimes have to change things. But yeah, there would have been, interesting characters over the years. Um, I used to work in Burgerland on William Street and um, I was there for five or six years and we met over the counter there, you'd meet definitely characters. Let's call them characters, yeah. <laughs> um, and who, who are your biggest Limerick influences when it comes to life in general or comedy or, you know? Um, well, the... the, the, the the Limerick, the, the comedians, there was, I mean, I, like I had seen um, Tom and Pascal when I was a kid. So that would have been, you know, they would have been doing, I don't even know, was it Panto or just Christmas shows in the Savoy Theatre, um, which was, I always think is such a sad loss. I would have loved to have been on that stage, but, you know, now it's the hotel after being a bowling alley for a while. But um, I would have seen Tom and Pascal and just that, I, I remember in, in, the Savoy, sitting in the seat, even if it was someone singing or performing, I, I used to love it. I loved live entertainment as a kid in the stuff we saw. I just absolutely loved going to those shows. Um, 
But Limerick comedians, I didn't go to comedy, you know, as you know, what was known as stand up. You know, I wasn't uh, like Billy Connolly first gig that was in the Royal. Um, and then Sean Hughes from Dublin, I saw him in the, in the university. But, uh, you know, there wasn't um, comedy as such. Um, it's funny, Jimmy Carr, whose parents are from Limerick, I'm not even sure if he was born in Limerick or not. Um, so when people talk about Limerick comedians, um, it's trying to get myself where I am on the list. I was going, oh, I think Jimmy's born in England. Don't, he doesn't count. Or Dave Allen, um, his parents lived in Limerick. I, I don't know, was he born in Limerick as well? You know, he would have been the, the, the real first godfather of Irish comedy back in the late 60s, 70s. But um, I didn't have, you know, I suppose the comedy influences I would have had, I would have seen on the Late Late Show. And it would have been, you know, either the Irish performers like a Brendan Grace or something or um, Billy Connolly or Tom O'Connor or someone coming over from the UK that you'd see. That, 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 that you, you wouldn't really see stand up other than that, you know. Mm. Yeah. And I suppose up to recently, you haven't been able to gig live. As you said, you just done one in Kilkenny outdoors. Yeah. Um, what, how did you cope during the lockdown? What did you do instead? And how did you I get did, through that time? We did, I did some quizzes and we did some online gigs, which was weird. Like, you know, you're, you're sitting upstairs in the spare room and you're doing a gig and Rich Hall or Milton Jones. They're in England, in America. Al Murray did one and he's dressed up. Um, so you're doing gigs via the Roisin Dove in Galway. Um, and all the performers are all over the world. And you're still performing. And the, the great thing about those shows was the connection with people because you, you do the gig, but the gig would be over by like half ten. And we'd stay on, so you'd stay on with the audience. So it'd be about 20 of us chatting till about one or two in the morning. And that was great, just because you're not meeting people, you're not having chats, you know, you're, you can't really talk to even someone in the supermarket. You weren't getting out much, if, you know, when you're out for a walk, you're running across the road because you don't know, are you giving them the virus? Are you getting the virus? You know, it, I, I used to describe this when you're going out for a walk, it was like you owed everybody money because you'd see someone coming and you cross the road. And then, you know, before we could even had access to masks, you know, we were, I was, you know, so paranoid of the virus at that stage. But yeah, you did quizzes, um, a couple of kind of interview type podcasts and online gigs. And it was just about enough to keep me going um, and keep me sane. Yeah. I suppose the other, the other point that's kind of been drilled home this week um, is the fact that there was 40,000 at the GA on the All-Ireland and, you know, live comedy, live entertainment is, is not being able to do that. Um, how do you feel about that and what do you think could be done to kind of improve? Well, I think it just needs to be find the balance. I mean, it's, um, I'm doing a gig in uh, Pier Stadium in Galway on Friday night. Um, with Tommy Tiernan and Ardler Hanlon and Deirdre O'Kane again, like last night. But um, our limit there is 1,200. And you're going, it's like, what's the difference between four people talking on the stage on the pitch and, you know, and, you know, uh, 30 people playing hurling? You know, why is it, you know, so it, it's, why is there a limit? You know, I think they're talking to each other at their running around you know we'd be in a fixed spot so it's it's where you find the rules or where you find the balance you know it's 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 not a perfect science but i think 
they could do a little bit more. You know, I think, um, you know, the musicians, uh, theatre, comedy, it's been, uh, I, well, I, it seems to be ignored. Like, I've seen lots of stuff on social media where people feel they're not being listened to. And, you know, um, the sooner the better that, that changes. You know, I think people have been very frustrated waiting to perform. And when you see the other things opening up, it does it does frustrate you even more that you're thinking, come on, you know, and I've been fortunate. I've been gigging a little bit, but um, my friends, still of them, some of them are waiting to do their first gigs. Some of the acts I was on with last night, it was their first gig in 18 months, you know, so it is, you know, now they're starting to feel the release of doing it, but it, it you know, it should, it should, it should open up a little bit more. Hopefully in the next while things will start with returning to close to normality anyway. Yeah. And have you any local gigs planned uh, coming up? No, nothing. nothing Limerick yet. anytime no, soon? Nothing yet. That's the thing. If we, you know, there's no, the roadmap is still, you know, been drawn. So as soon as it's, mm. um, I think as soon as we could gig indoors, I think stuff will happen, you know, and um, fingers crossed. Um, I know there's, there's some of the gigs in Dolan's. I'm not doing any of them yet. You know, yeah, there's gigs, uh, there's been gigs on the Tuesday nights in Dolan's recently. So there has been some gigs and I know the milk market's doing the live gigs as well, but it's, it's, it's still a frustration waiting for it to happen, you know. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, 100%. Um, so we got some questions in from... Uh, our followers and <laughs> listeners, Carl. Yes. And they want to put a few things to you. So are you ready to go? Let's get there. Um, the first question is, how do you achieve a work-life balance as a comedian? And does it annoy you when people come up and ask for photos? Um, the work-life balance, as, as a comedian, I don't feel it's work. Um, you know, it's. I remember Jimmy Carr, I mentioned Jimmy Carr earlier. I remember Jimmy Carr telling me he... Um, he does the gigs for free. He takes the money for all the driving and travel, um, which I, I think was a nice way of doing it because, you know, he enjoys what we do. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's when you do, when back in the old, back in the old days, 
when you did lots of traveling, sometimes it could become a bit much, you know, if um, I remember flying to Australia for a weekend, basically doing shows, I had five days in over doing a few shows, I think it was three nights of shows and then flying back and just been exhausted. And I think I flew somewhere else then the following week and you're just wrecked. So that's when it felt like work, you're just drained. But um, I, I miss those feelings. I miss that feeling of being drained. Um, so no, I don't feel it's work. Um, you know, the only thing is being away from home sometimes, if, you, if you're away a lot, can be, you know, frustrating. And, you know, you miss my girlfriend. But um, no, it's, that's fine. And do I get annoyed with people coming up for a photo? Not at all. Um, it, it does happen a bit. Um, the funny one is not so much the people coming up looking for a photo. It's just after that, if you're in a pub or somewhere and someone asks for a photo, you post for a photo, someone else will come over and go, sorry, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I don't know who you are. And I go, it's okay, that's fine. Sorry, who are you? And I went, sure, you don't know, it doesn't matter. Who are you? And I go, just somebody, you know, who's he over there? I don't know, why didn't you tell him? And they go, I don't find you funny. Ah, I gotcha. <laughs> you know who I am. But I find that, that and that's rare enough. You know, it happens, you know, three or four times over the years. But um, it's that someone sees you getting a picture ticket. Oh, I better tell him he's not special or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's not. It's, it, most people, 99.9% uh, .9 of people you meet are lovely, you know, before, after a gig, you know, it's, uh, even during a gig, it's all, you know, it's all positive. This, you're, you know, you're trying to make them laugh. That's what you, you're, you're trying to bring joy to the world. I think people think, oh, that's not, that's not a bad thing. Mm, yeah. Someone else has asked, have you always been um, as confident as you are today? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. When I started, um, I used to be like, I'd wake up the morning of a gig and it was like, um, it's like I've gone on holidays and left the grill on or left the gas on. You know, it was that terror of, um, oh no. The immersion. You left yeah, the immersion. immersion, on. anything. <laughs> just that dread. And I didn't realise what it was straight away. I was like, God, why am I feeling like this? I'm going, oh God, you have a gig tonight. But the release afterwards, I imagine, is better than any drug. Um, you know, you do the gig and it goes well. I used to be euphoric. You know, um, so it just got to the stage where I w I'd less, um, I was less worried about the gig. And it was also less euphoric afterwards. But as time went on, um, I grew in confidence. And I it, it took me, I'd say most of the first two years of my career to get to that. And as time has moved on, now I'm 21 years doing stand-up. It's, you know, it's a breeze now. Like I literally could be tapped on the shoulder. There's an audience there through that door. Can you do a gig? I go, yeah, straight in. No bother whatsoever. But it did take, um, it took me a couple of years to get to that point. I think that like the jokes were ready from the start. I, I wrote the jokes. The jokes worked. The, you know, the jokes got better as well. But the jokes I wrote worked. But the performance got better as time went on. Hmm. Next question is for someone tuning into this now who'd love to go down the comedy career route. What advice would you give them? Don't do it. Don't do it. It's too crowded. <laughs> um, it's right about who you are yourself. You know, when anyone who's new, if you want to do comedy, talk about yourself and your own family because no one else is writing jokes about you. So you'll be original. It's, it's always a mistake. Sometimes new comedians will say, oh, I'll start talking about Donald Trump or Ryanair. And the best comedians in the world have already tackled these subjects. And at best, you'll 
write the same joke that they've already written. And at worst, you'll just write a bad joke about something that's been done already. But if no one's been talking about you and who you are, or your silly things your mother said or funny things that happened to your brother, tell those stories. And if you can't make those funny, there's no point taking on other subjects anyway. Um, but just be original. Um, write down funny thoughts you have. You might only have half a thought. It might not work in your first few gigs, but it, uh, uh, it'll be something you'll go back to and you'll see how you can make it stage funny in the future. You know, so it's always just always be thinking of what's funny. Someone will tell you something. You go, oh, hold on a minute. There's something there. I can use that. Hmm. Um, someone else wants to know the funniest comedian you've ever seen visit Limerick in particular. Is it Limerick? Mm. Mm. Um, I th I th it's possibly, there's a guy called Daniel Kitson, who I think one of the best shows I've seen was in Dolan's about, he played Dolan's a few times um, back in 2002, 2003. He, people might remember him. He was in the Peter Kay's Phoenix Nights. He was a guy called Spencer in that, but he was, that was brilliant. Um, there's a guy, Glenn Wool, who's been many times, who makes me laugh on and off stage constantly um he's got about four or five albums out there and i remember him doing a joke on the limerick tenors and people not getting it as his first joke and then going back over and going like no like a limerick you know nantucket and the once was all about limericks you know and uh but it was uh he'd be my favorite comedian um and he played limerick many times so yeah, they'd be too. Billy Connolly's the the funniest I've ever seen. Sorry, that happened in Limerick, so I have to say that Billy Connolly. I, my my final answer <laughs> is is Billy Connolly in the Theatre Royal. Fantastic, and we're going to end on this last question, Carol. Oh no, it's a big one. Um, your favorite joke of all time. Whoa! <laughs> oh my God, you can't ask me that. Um. <laughs> The, the joke that made me laugh the most, it's on YouTube, I wouldn't do it justice, is Billy Connolly told it on the Late Late Show to Gay Byrne about the train signalman. Um, so I'd go look for that. Um, I, it's, it's a long joke and I don't remember it enough to do it, but it was, I was at home watching it and I cried laughing. Uh, I think it was, I was about 13, 14 years of age. And that was the most I've ever laughed watching TV. There's very few times. I'm a bad audience member and it t it's tougher again when you're at home watching television. But Billy Connolly made me cry laughing, as did Sean Locke, who I should pay tribute to, passed away recently. Uh, he used to make me laugh so much as well. Um, but Billy Connolly on The Late Late Show, about 1985, talking about the train signalman. I'm sure it's there on um, on YouTube. So I've given you homework to do. There you go. Absolutely. Well, Caspian, thank you so, so much for joining us. No problem. On, Limerick and proud. Limerick <laughs> and proud, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'll pop this video up now for anyone who has joined late so you can rewatch and it will be podcasted on our website very, very shortly as well. Thanks so much, Carol. Cheers, Amanda. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 